0: If you come to a country like the UK, your life automatically becomes better and you can do more and stuff like that. At some points, I did feel overwhelmed and a bit anxious about how things work because you'd find out that, oh, this is not how you do things here. And then the lady responded by saying, maybe you should have been here in the UK longer. I wasn't aware of how universities work. I haven't celebrated a birthday In 14 years, I haven't gone on holiday in 17 years. So, how do I? What do I need to do to celebrate? Because I don't know. I don't know that feeling. But the way we do that—that's different. Moving away from home.
1: I've heard stories about it. This isn't my home. It's changed my life.
0: I really wish someone told.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Statelessness. My name is Anas, and in this podcast, I try to bring societal awareness to foreigners of different countries in different countries. Between adversity, culture shocks, and culture-specific tips, each episode will give you a different perspective of what it's like to live away from home. Before we get into the episode, why not give us a follow on Instagram, at statelessness? And while you're there, why not subscribe to our podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to me from right now. And now, on to this week's guest. This episode is the second episode made in a storytelling format. Please, please let me know what you thought of this format as opposed to the interview format and which one did you like better. Reach out to me on the Instagram page that you definitely followed a minute ago at statelessmess. In this episode, my guest talked about life in Zimbabwe, a country with 34% of its population in extreme poverty. My guest shares stories about how his family had to cross borders to get food, and how the balance in his bank account caused multiple delays to his visa to come to the UK. Join me in this episode to find out how my guest managed the move from a small town in Zimbabwe to the UK. There's a bonus clip at the end of this episode where my guest speaks about a time when he found a student charity raising money for a school in his city in Zimbabwe, where he pretended that he wasn't Zimbabwean and how he realized how ignorant the West is to Zimbabwe. She's telling me a lot
0: of um, things you'd read on the news, things you'd read in websites and stuff. Um, And, you know, some of the things she said, you know, they touched me personally because I found them kind of offensive.
1: My guest is Takura. Is it is it Takura? Takura, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Takura. Yeah. yeah. So Takura from Zimbabwe. Tell us more about Zimbabwe. What is Zimbabwe like?
0: Uh, so I was born in a nice city called um, Bulawayo. So it's in the southwest part of Zimbabwe. It's, it's the Ndebele-speaking part of Zimbabwe. So that's where I grew up with. Went to school it's normally almost always sunny weather. E- even in the winter it was it was a bit warm. So it was it was nice weather. A bit hot in the summer, but almost every weekend it was it was a perfect time to be outside with family, with friends. Um and you never had a grey sky over your head, so it was all right, unless it unless if it was raining.
1: Okay. Yeah. But is it too hot?
0: Well, I think because um I, I grew up there, I got I got used to the heat. Um, when I went to boarding school in Mashringo, it was hot, it was hotter than where I grew up in in Bulawayo. And the fact that we wrote you know our Cambridge exams in that weather, afternoon exams, and it's scorching hot, and you've got the aircons on, you've got fans on, and that's not even helping, and it's still very very hot. So,
1: but apart from the weather.
0: Growing up in the first ten years of my life, it was—I thought I it was very, very exciting to live there. You know, things were easily accessible. Uh, you know, the the treats and um, the foods, and like you know, traveling around was—it's so easy to do. You had fun, like going to school Monday to Friday. You know, your friends there. You had—you you learnt a lot of good stuff. We had good teachers there. Then on the weekend, it was either with my parents or I was at home and and then Sunday I went to church as well so it was i think every day was a good day mm. um for that and that's for the first 10 years i think after 2006 2007 obviously things started changing uh things became harder you know prices were going up this is when like inflation was now shooting up and you know they were, they introduced new new notes and they dissolved the old currency you know you we had notes that said $1 trillion, $250 trillion, $500 trillion. And, you know, you go into a shop with those kind of notes and you could probably get um, a, a bottle of milk, so a small bottle of milk. It was about 500 mils, so you can imagine. Um, so they went through that and then they tried changing the the currency again, So they managed to dissolve it, but like back down to obviously your your 50 pences, your 50 cents, your dollars, your two dollars. But then obviously that only lasted a short while. And obviously the inflation was so bad that obviously things, prices started going up again. So after 2007, you know, in 2008, this is when I started high school, uh, you know, a lot of shelves were empty. So when shelves were empty, you know, going to the shop, you could only get a certain amount of things from the shop. And, you know, if you didn't have the money, um, you know, you couldn't get anything. I remember days when I used to beg my, my mom, you know, when, when I was out with my mom, oh, can I get a pizza? My mom was like, no, 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 we can't get money, we need to save money. At that point, I was a kid, so I didn't understand the whole value of money. So I was just thinking about, okay, we we were eating traditional food all the time. You know, we should have a cheat day, help ourselves with some pizza or something like that, celebrate, right?
1: And in such circumstances, chaos will arise.
0: What happened was, you know, we went into another shop to purchase some some extra clothes. We get back to our car. We see that the door, like the locks have been pulled up. So this hurt my mom a lot because she works, you know, she works really, really hard. My mom and dad, they work really, really hard. So we got that money. We bought some, some food, bought some shoes for my little brother and my cousin. We come back and we see that, oh, the shoes have been stolen, the food has been stolen, which is quite sad because in Zimbabwe at that time, you know, there's no CCTV like here, where you can just go back to CCTV and check who stole it.
1: The situation in Zimbabwe was so bad that some people had to literally cross borders to get their groceries. In
0: 2008, I remember to get to have food or have anything, my parents... And my family, we'd plan trips to Botswana uh, to go and buy food from there. So we'd travel from Bulawayo, we'd drive all the way to Francistown. But obviously, we, you, you're going into a new country. So we had to cross the border. And this was my first time, obviously, going out of Zimbabwe and stuff. But we were going there to buy food um and and products you know for our livelihood and to make sure we survived
1: because you couldn't find it in zimbabwe yeah we couldn't
0: you couldn't find it in shops no so we had to go to um botswana and buy the stuff there you know every time we went you know we always made sure that our the cars we came in they were packed with things um and that i think that's how we survived the period between 2008 and i think 2010
1: after 2010 though things got a little better for zimbabwe
0: a bit better, so you could now start finding things in shops, and it was now also expensive to go all the way to Botswana to buy products, and also as well. I think in that same year, my dad got a promotion, so we moved to the capital of the country. So you know, the the journey from Harare to Francistown, it logistically it it was it wasn't worth it. It was it was going to be a lot of hassle. It was going to be uh you know quite expensive. Um, And, you know, fortunately at the time, you know, things started to improve a little bit.
1: With Zimbabwe's partial economic recovery and Takura's dad's promotion, the future looked not so dull. And Takura's dad urged him to leave Zimbabwe in pursuit of a better life somewhere else.
0: I remember me having a conversation with him when I was nine years old when he asked me what I wanted to become and I said I want to to become a pilot when I'm older. He said to me, "Okay, you can become a pilot, but make sure you get a qualification as well so that, you know, when you're not flying or when you retire, you can start something else or continue working in aerospace. So your, your, your dream doesn't just stop because of, you know, you've retired from flying. So I applied to. I was taught to look at universities uh, overseas. So we went to an, an agency in Harare in early 2013, um, and then we started talking to them, and they they're telling us, "Oh, what do you want to study?" And I said, "I want to study aerospace engineering. I like. I want to become a pilot and stuff." So they told me. Uh, the lady at the time, she, she was so knowledgeable, right? She, she she went and grabbed like four or five different booklets. So she said, these are the, the universities I'd recommend you go to. So I think there was two in the UK. There was uh, two, I think there was two in Australia. And then there was another two from Canada as well. So I'm I'm looking through all of them. My dad gave me about two days to think about it, read through, tell me what he thought. I said to him, I think, you know, Australia and Canada seem like good ones. Because as soon as you finished your degree, uh, in the booklet, it said, you know, your likeliness of of securing, you know, job and stuff afterwards is higher. The structure of the course, it was more detailed. It had a lot more information. So I was much more aware of what the course entailed. Um, And then my dad said to me, I think... That sound, that looks like a good option, but I think you should go with UK. You've got family here. So my dad has got um, siblings here. So he's got brothers and sisters here. And same thing for my mum. So she's got brothers and sisters here as well. So at the time, I was just thinking, okay, it's it, it's cheaper to come here because Canada and Australia at the time, from, when you're applying from within Zimbabwe, it costed more money, whereas UK didn't cost that much. So... We were like, okay, I think it's a no-brainer. Let's let's start preparing for what we need to do for for UK.
1: And so he applied to study in the University of Hertfordshire, a top UK university.
0: University came back with a conditional offer and, and I was excited, so I was like, Oh, my chance to leave Zimbabwe to, to leave the, the struggle and you know the problems that are in the country. So they said pay a deposit and then we need you to produce bank statements and all of that stuff so myself my parents this was the first time we had to do something along those lines it was it was completely new to us um we'd never done it before when my sister did her start, did her university applications cuz she started off in Netherlands and she's in Germany now the requirements are different right so the uk requirements were telling us you need to have Uh, Proof of maintenance, you need to provide um, letters, you need to provide document like identification um, because your parent is your sponsor, they need to provide their documentation. So at at the time it was exciting and also it was like, oh, we need to make sure we get it right. So there was that pressure.
1: The UK is known for its strict immigration procedures, especially their financial requirements where they ask one to provide the proof that they have held a set amount of money for an uninterrupted amount of time.
0: When we started it, you know, it was all right. But then I think we, we went below the required amount a couple of times. And they, whenever we went back to them, they said to us, "Your your bank balance has gone below the required amount. So I was worrying about uh, you know the, the the likeliness of me getting the visa and all that stuff because they're saying to us you need to make sure you meet all of this criteria for you to actually get a visa and you know when my dad was explaining to them you know the hard work he's putting in the effort he's putting in and the fact that it was beyond his control as well because uh, the value of the US dollar in, in in Zimbabwe at that time so in 2014 it was fluctuating. A substantial amount, and he was saying, he was saying to them, "Where do you expect me to get the extra money for me to be able to do the bank statements?" So I could see the struggle and the pain going through my parents' eyes, and like from my perspective as well, I was worried. I applied in January, got a place in in February. So from March until July, we were just trying to get the bank statements right, and every time the the balance kept going below
1: this situation went on till august until Takura and his family were granted an exceptional let to submit a second savings account to supplement the current account that they had unfortunately for them it added up so Takura could now get his confirmation of acceptance of studies from his university keep in mind that to this point the arrangements are with the university and the agent in zimbabwe the actual visa application hasn't started yet.
0: The feeling I got from family side and from their side is, I had to make sure I didn't make any mistakes because any small mistake they reject the visa. So there was that there was pressure on that as well. So managed to complete it, paid for it, you know. Fortunately, uh, got a TB certificate because he needed that for the the visa application.
1: Tuberculosis, short form TB, is a pandemic in Africa. And UK government requires certain countries' nationals to produce a TB certificate to be issued a UK visa. So on
0: top of everything else, they wanted us to pay more money to get a TB certificate for the visa application, which I was more than happy to do, right? Ultimately, um, the end goal was to make sure my parents' vision was to get me outside of Zimbabwe and into the UK and, you know, essentially start building a life for myself, right? I wasn't aware of how universities work. The university just said to me, you need to be here by this date. So I was just worrying and saying, oh, the visa's not even out yet. I'm going to be late. So I had that extra stress of, oh... I'm going to be missing a lot of stuff. But turns out the date that the university wanted me to be in the UK by was for them to do like an orientation for international students.
1: Most UK universities offer optional activities throughout a week for international students. This is to show them around the city and around campus to get them familiar with the place. Following the international week, all university students are invited to take part in a freshers week, which includes social activities during the days and nights out for students to get to mingle and meet each other, as well as get settled without the extra hassle of university starting right off the bat. Takura ended up going to the UK on the Thursday of the international week, so he didn't actually miss out on much.
0: I remember when my visa came out, I was the only thing I was interested in was was getting myself to university as soon as possible registering, getting myself set, set up and ready to start right my course. Because my my mother and father previously visited the UK before I did um, my they both of them were just said you need to look after yourself, the friends you make, you need to be careful about who you pick as your friends. Um, we're giving you this amount of money to start yourself off with you need to open a bank account there so we can send you more money Uh, we need you to know that this is a very 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 critical opportunity for you in your life your focus is to go there and study that is your focus so go there study hard get the grades Um, in my language you'd say usatambe which means you don't play because you know they've put in a lot of hard work into getting me here, and you know I put in a lot a lot of hard work in the build up. You know, uh, going to boarding school, getting those grades at GCSE and at A level, um, to 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 get myself into the UK. So it was it was one of those where you know the onus was on me, but they said. We love, we love you and we want you to take care of yourself. That's the most important thing to us. Like, you go there, you do your best, but you take care of yourself. That's the most important thing.
1: 10 new beginnings.
0: So I, I remember I got into the UK, I think, mid-September. At that time, I was excited because my expectation of the UK was, uh, you know, it, it, it's a better place to live than Zimbabwe. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people back home in my country will, will look at it the same way. it like, if you come to a country like the UK, your life automatically becomes better and you can do more and stuff like that. Which is true, you have access to a lot more things, but it is essentially as hard as anywhere else. But you have access to a lot more things, which helps. I was really, really like excited just to look around and see you know the country is different like the cars are better than in Zimbabwe because or cars like in this country would be written off you'd find them on the road in Zimbabwe so (laughs) and like the the condition of the roads like there were potholes in Zimbabwe here there's not that many potholes there are potholes but not that many uh you know looking at the state of the airport uh the roads and stuff I was like wow this This country is different, like this is not Zimbabwe, and I remember my uncle saying to me, "You know, you're no longer in Africa. you know you should forget about Africa. Your home is here now. I think for me I was I was a bit scared at first. Um, growing up in Zimbabwe you know for eighteen years of my life to just suddenly a change. you know it's in the first online in the first three months, I was, I was thinking of home a lot. I was thinking of the food, I was thinking of the weather, uh, Zimbabwe this, Zimbabwe that, but also at the same time I remembered what my uncle told me when I first got here. He says, you need to forget about life there and start thinking about your life here because you're here right now and you have, a, you have a duty to fulfill. You know, you have to go to university, you need to get your degree, you need to work hard, you need to set yourself on the right track for your career, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a conflict because I'm thinking of home and people are telling me to not think about home. So it's clashing. So for me, I realized very, very early on that obviously I needed to give myself time. Um, I shouldn't put too much pressure on myself. And, you know, I had to find like-minded people who wanted to work hard, who wanted to get, you know, good grades.
1: And on his pursuit of finding friends to feel comfortable with, Takura stumbled upon international students on a day trip that was part of Freshers' Week activities.
0: We started talking to each other so when I told them I was from Zimbabwe uh, four other guys in, in the bus were like oh we're also from Zimbabwe I was like oh wow w- which school did you go which schools did you go to uh, one guy said he went to Westridge uh, which is in Arare the other guy um, St. George's which is one of the top schools in Zimbabwe as well there was a lot of you know a lot of different schools from all over the country in Zimbabwe so Back in my country, when we used to play sport against these these schools, there was a rivalry. But as soon as you came to the UK, um, all of us from our different schools on that rivalry, it, it, it just it disappeared, and we all became uh, one one family. So it was it was really really enlightening. So these these guys were obviously my first official friends.
1: Although luck threw Zimbabweans out on Takura's way. He did not think he should fall into a comfort zone and stick to his people. Instead, he went out and he mingled.
0: I made friends with uh, a group of uh, local students and some European students. Uh, So when we all just came together, we were just like, oh, what what course are you studying? We introduced ourselves. We gave each other our details. We put ourselves into a group chat. And uh, we... We started talking from there. We competed in the egg race competition. We didn't do too well, uh, but you know, you get you, you, you have wins and you have losses. So, you know, it came out with friends, yeah. It came out with friends. So,
1: out of the people Takura met, he became really close to Tash and On, two international students who are hard working like himself
0: as a trio we we really really like worked really really hard in the first semester we got really really good grades um and then in second semester we were all guilty but we 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 slacked off a little bit because we put in a lot of effort in the first semester when the results came back we thought okay if we're working that hard we're getting these good results we, we can just take it back down a notch maybe relax a bit more it, I, I felt like in the first semester i thought it was it was a bit easy uh, i didn't feel challenged enough um but obviously as, as university progressed things got harder and harder but uh when i first came i thought oh this is too simple like enge- engineering maths in first year was easier than a level maths so i thought wait isn't university maths a step up you know
1: I know, I know, this is not a university podcast. This is a society and culture podcast. I think the
0: culture, it's a mixed bag. It's definitely a mixed bag because when I first came uh, to the UK, I felt really, really welcome. The people I met um, were really nice, they were welcoming. I did find it a bit odd that every time I spoke... I was stopped and people asked me which country I came from. At the time, I didn't think too much about it, but I thought it was it was a bit weird um, being asked all the time, oh, where are you from? You've got a twang in your accent. Where is that from? So it was one of those questions where I was more than happy to answer. I never got offended by it and never will um, because obviously I'm I'm from Zimbabwe. My accent is my accent. I can't force change it or, or anything like that. So... Um, it was very very welcoming but you know because of the the cultural differences and the the way we were brought up like there's so many differences uh you know there there were small things that started to irk you know we could irk either myself i would i'll get irked by something that that's done for by a person who's who's from here would do and um they would get you know a bit annoyed if I did something, but I grew up doing that in my country. So it, it was just one of those things. And I think the the key thing there was the communication. Uh, we had to communicate, you know, the, the differences or the things we do differently compared to what people are used to. Um, I think I've met a lot of open-minded people, a lot of closed-minded people. Uh, but overall, I think the culture in the UK has been, it's very, very welcoming. People do help you. But it's one of those where if you need the help, you need to seek it out yourself. Um, nobody's going to have you know give you open charity and say you know, do you know about this? I can help you. You know, it's one of those where I, you need to be asking a lot of questions, and it's only when you start asking questions you get answers. So I, I learned that quite quite quickly because I expected you know everything to be kind of me to follow a certain path and to pick up things as I go and um, obviously I'm grateful for that because you become when you when you're taking your own initiative to find out and learn stuff you learn a lot more it is extremely challenging when you don't know how things work and you're trying to figure out how things work so I think I think it was it was just one of those scenarios where you know you're you're stuck And you don't know what to do, but your only other option is now to start asking and finding out who can and who cannot help you. Because nobody gives you this information when you get here. When we first came to the country, if we had somebody who was dedicated to us to help us, teach us things, it would have been, I think the welcome and the settling would have been a lot easier um, obviously the the positives knocked out a lot of the negatives but obviously I, f- I felt like at some points I did feel overwhelmed and a bit anxious about how things work because you'd find out that oh this is not how you do things here it's how you do, do it like this and you know nobody's giving you the leeway to say well you're from another country I can understand people are expecting you to understand but you don't know one example of that was in my first house, uh, the TV licensing thing. I remember, like, obviously, gone to uni, had a really productive day, worked really hard, left the library around 9 o'clock, uh, came back home around half nine, and the first thing my roommate gives me, he says, this letter's for you. At, at the time, I didn't know that it was actually a letter for the whole house, but he, he gave it to me and said it was for me. So I felt like he... He wanted to give me that extra burden, so I look at this letter. I am reading through it, and I see I could potentially get fined up to a thousand pounds. And in the first three months, I don't have, I don't even have that kind of money. And these people are saying they'll come and take it for me as a punishment. And I am like, how is it my fault? I don't know how things work here. I didn't, I don't know that you need a TV license to watch stuff online and do all those things. Um, and then another guy came in but he's from bangladesh and he came a month before he was saying to me he was very very positive and very very um uh comforted person to talk to he said don't worry about this i've learned that they send these to everyone and he explained to me and he said no nobody's gonna find you nobody's so you know having that person to comfort because i was i was stressing i was stressing myself out and i was panicking saying where am i gonna get a thousand pounds from At that point, obviously, I learned that you know there, there's going to be people who come into your life to to add to your foundations and the hard work you've done, and then some people who who want to come and knock that down, and also people who just want to come and benefit from that. Um, but I guess the, the group I had of international friends from Tanzania, from, from Nigeria, from Zimbabwe, you know, we used to hang out on weekends and stuff in the first two, three months, which was always helpful because we were, doing, we were all doing different university courses. So to come together on a Friday night just to talk about, you know, our experiences and what we've learned so far, you know, and those were the, the moments where, you know, we shared stories and we learned stuff. So we were learning about oh, there's there's a place called Audi. You can go and buy cheap groceries from there. I didn't know that. I went to Asda all the time because I was told Asda is the best place to go for anything. Um, I didn't know about Audi at that time, which was a lot closer to where I stayed. So, so, so learning about Audi, uh, learning where to get fast food because we've we'd never had McDonald's, we'd never had KFC in Zimbabwe. KFC is there in Zimbabwe, but they were serving not food you wouldn't expect to find in KFC. So, it was one of those where we were excited to try our junk food because, you know, we we didn't know, um, and I didn't know places to eat as well. So we were learning.
1: Now, what used to be an overwhelmed boy is no longer scared.
0: So, when whenever we used to come together on a Friday or a Saturday night, you know, we share these things, and you know, so we would learn learn from each other. We also shared funny stories about uh, you know things that happened back home, which was really, really, I think, what ultimately helped helped me settle in the UK. Having you know people who've come from the same sort of background and scenario as me, and even you when you were telling me about your 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 experiences in Egypt, you know having that it's very very settling for somebody who's come from a completely different lifestyle. They've come to a new country, a uh, new way of living, uh, new to everything, new to how like the the tra- public transport system works. Uh, how you communicate with people, or how you even like even how you even approach girls and stuff—it's all different, right? As the pieces, the puzzle pieces started coming together. Then, you know, things started making sense. I knew what I could do, what I couldn't do. Even like being pushed to find find out, because my uncle was really really big on me finding out information for myself. Um, so he was always pushing me to say, if you want to do something. Look it up on the internet if you want to go for a flying lesson uh, find out where you can go have a flying lesson near you that kind of a thing so that helped as well um, and ultimately, I think that 's what kind of set the you know, my, my mindset that if i don 't know anything i 'm going to go out and i 'm going to research about it and find the best way to do it and ask questions.
1: Part of Takura's cultural experience was also working in the UK.
0: If you if, if you're only allowed to work twenty hours per week, which is part time, a lot of the the mini jobs you could you'd want to go into will tell you, Oh, actually, we want we want you to work more than that and you're not allowed to and you know in you're not gonna risk your livelihood you know to breach one condition on your visa just because they want you to work more and then they don't end up giving you the job so you know finding jobs was also quite slow uh lethargic at times because of the the work limit thing because you can get set back back home to zimbabwe which in the back of my head was like no i need to complete my course i need to get my qualification and you know set myself up for a prosperous career right
1: Takura managed to secure a part-time job that helped him finance his stay in the UK as well as save up for a master's degree. And after finishing three years of university in the UK.
0: obviously During the summer before graduation, this is where my the group of Zimbabwean friends and um, Tanzanian and uh, Nigerian friends when when we initially started at the beginning of our courses right we're all together and then obviously as the courses progress like through second and third year you start seeing people less and less and less so when we when we were catching up on the memories of Zimbabwe and our ex- initial experiences in the UK in the first month and a half two months we were now reflecting on our three years in the UK what we what we'd learned because obviously we'd be we'd become a lot more knowledgeable, become more aware of the fashion sense, uh aware of how things worked. So I, w- I was thinking to myself and we, we say we ended up saying it aloud that we started this journey together and we're finishing it together as well. So it was it was really, really, really uh, enlightening. Uh, we all kind of scrounged around and put money together. And that's how we ended up buying like, um, you know, food and then we cooked meals for each other. And I think that was the second time I celebrated my birthday. So going back, obviously, if you rewind to Zimbabwe, my life experiences in Zimbabwe, I had birthday parties from when I was, uh, I think, three or four up until the age of seven. After the age of seven, no birthday parties, just cake my mum always got me cake and this kind of obviously it made me lose interest in a little bit in celebrating my birthday because there was nothing really to celebrate for because uh, life in Zimbabwe at the time was so hard you could not even afford to so when I when I came to this country I think my first birthday was where was at my uncle's house and you know I felt completely in celebrating my birthday because i hadn't celebrated my birth. i think how i was uh about 19 or 20 at the time so uh my my family who who are from here who've, who've come who've moved here and some of them were born here they're like oh birthday we need to do something we need to out, have fun and all that and i'm saying to them well i haven't celebrated a birthday in 14 years i haven't gone on a holiday in 17 years so how do i what do i need to do to celebrate because i don't know i don't know that feeling right
1: now let's rewind back to his second birthday celebrations in the uk that he talked about
0: the the birthday i celebrated with with my zimbabwean friends i think was was very very powerful because um it was more or less about appreciation uh instead of celebrating it was it was about appreciating uh the people who took the time out to celebrate like my birthday with like literally nobody had money but you know people took money out of their pockets to say okay we'll put money together we'll buy some we'll buy some drinks we'll buy some food we'll, we'll cook we'll celebrate your birthday you know that for me it it touched my heart because i i, I, I don't think that that's ever happened
1: In August 2017, after Takura's graduation and before he was supposed to be starting the master's degree, financial issues arose, which meant he had to postpone his studies for a semester, which also meant returning back to Zimbabwe for the first time in three years.
0: I was sat in the airport. Also. I, I knew I was, I was flying back to Zimbabwe. I had to redo my visa and all of that stuff. But also I wasn't. I didn't have the same stress and anxiety that I had like before I came to the UK the first time, because I knew I was mo- I was now much more knowledgeable about how things worked. Uh, when I got back, uh, you know, when you get back, you get the sense of feeling of oppression. So when, when we're at the airport, um, the people who were in the plane, you know, they sighed and they said, ah, oh, we're back here again. So they knew of the country's problems and what was going on, and I felt like, oh, I'm I'm back, but I couldn't complain because I, I didn't have any grounds to complain. The university I'm, I'm going to now was, you know, they had to work with the within the rules, and it was it was just it was just one of those where you know it, there's nothing I could do about it but work through the the process and stage gate they'd set up. So I was there for about two and a half months. I found that as an opportunity to obviously to think about my experiences in the UK. I, I wanted to learn how things worked in the UK. I wanted to become very, very knowledgeable, uh, very, very aware of what I can and cannot do um, for for my own protection, for my you know for, for peace of mind, and also to to know how I can enjoy my stay here. So. Obviously, I made friends with a lot of local students. I worked in organisations where it was a mixture, but a lot of the people worked there were from this country. Um, I also, you know, spent time travelling around the the UK. So I, I could say that the UK definitely impacted me in a positive way because I became a lot more of myself, aware of myself, what I can and what I cannot, what what I can't do, what kind of ambitions and goals I can set for myself you know all of that you know came to light when i came here because before that um it was the 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 thought was just thinking oh come here get your degree finish but when i when I put myself into the into the culture and interacting with people uh you know wherever I worked, I was always the minority so you 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 learn a lot even when we're just having casual chit chat you know having casual conversations you 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 pick you pick up a lot of things you know because people are always blurting out things that they wouldn't no- norm, wouldn't normally Uh, say if you're in a formalized manner like meetings or anything like that right so i really spent the time you know learning how people spoke language they used um like the processes, if I wanted to buy a car, if I wanted to get insurance, if I wanted to... I ended up getting a phone contract, so how that worked, I learned about how... So, you know, going on from just uh, from being told I can't get a phone contract, I now know what I needed to get to do to get a phone contract. Mm -hmm. So I could say, you know, the the UK has taught me a lot you know everything in a positive way. Like I think I'm I'm am a bigger person who can take on a lot more responsibility and do a lot more things. But before that, it was, you know, I wasn't sure. I I, I wasn't. I didn't know anything. So w- w- when you're stuck in the dark and you don't know what to do, it's it's very very hard to make progress. But when you when you start, you know, throwing yourself out there and learning and um, finding out from other people what the experiences are. I always wanted to experience something new, and to, to gain the exposure to that I could grow as a person, mm-hmm. which is how I which which what ended up making me pick a different university, uh, and come moving all the way from Hatfield down south all the way up here to you know the Newcastle area, which is like it's a four four and a half hour drive, so I, my my entire life down south I moved it all the way up here. And, uh, you know, me spending time in the UK, the first three years set up, you know, my actions for the last, I've set up my actions for the last two years i mean there's people who don't care about everyone else but then there's people who take the time uh to welcome you and there's um you know they 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 want to find out about you then you start learning about them and their experiences and when you when they're telling you about their experiences in in this country it's also another way of you learning Mm. you know the do's and don'ts because they've gone through it and they're essentially telling you don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do that. So it helps you. It helps the learning process as well. Absolutely. So I'm 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 very very grateful for that.
1: And when asked about advice for younger Zimbabweans thinking about a similar move, Takura answered. Uh, a
0: couple of younger students who were at my boarding school have also come to the UK as well, and they also asked me questions. Um, so ideally you know the first thing before you even apply you, you need to know what you want to do you know like a uh, degree wise uh, you have you have some sort of idea about your 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 career before you pick a degree because essentially you know it's it's your financial investment it's your time investment it's you know it's your effort so you don't want to waste that doing something and then finding something else that you're more interested in. So you don't want to waste your time because time is precious and, and life is very, very short. So uh research into what kind of courses you want to go into because you know, what you might want to do, like for me I wanted to look at planes, but there's so many things you can do with planes, right? You could work on the engineering aspect of how the plane flies, about how it's built about how it's modeled before even building it or uh, even testing it before it's actually you know flown as test flights, so there's so many aspects you know if you love planes, yeah, you love planes, but what aspect do you wanna look at but if you've got an idea like if there's something you're passionate about and you want to learn more about it, then pick a degree close to that but you know as you're applying, research the country. Uh, you know find universities um that are in the top tier for, for your particular course um because that then saves you a lot of time uh because I've 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 met other people who've come to the UK and have complained that you know the degree we get it's it's just a piece of paper but at the same time universities are here to provide us with an education you need to know what you're getting yourself into before you pick that course, you pick that university, um and you know, what their obligations are. So, you know, I don't think there's any university in this country that promises to get people employment after uh it's it's down it's down to the person. So they provide the education, but it's up to me what what happens next. So, you know, for for the people who are listening Pick the one you feel is the best. It could be the course structure that, that appeals to you, the the finances, because it may be um cheaper. Um but you know, it's ultimately down to you. But you need to give yourself as much information before you make a decision. If you if you know anyone that's moved to the UK from your country or from your family or went to school with you and they, they, they came to the UK, um they would also be a good touch point to find out information about how things work because they've come here, they've lived the experience. So you you do learn a lot more. You get a feeling of what it's like to live here from somebody who's actually lived here, which is very, very important and valuable before you make the decision. Um, I'd say, you know, send as many questions to your university as well because, you know, it's their job to answer your questions. Um, so send them as many because I know I did before I picked my master's course. I asked so many questions, you know, around the course, around the structure, around, um, you know, accommodation. And, you know, I, w- I was such a busy body that I started asking like local letting agencies to let me see properties like before I even started my course. So, you know, it all starts from you asking um, questions.
1: Thank you so much for listening till the end. As you may have noticed, the structure of the podcast has changed based on your feedback. And I cannot wait to hear your feedback on this episode. Reach me on Instagram at statelessmess. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. You know, sharing is caring. And thank you again for listening to Stateless Mess. I am so grateful. So I'll leave you now with the bonus clip. And I'll see you next week with another story of another stateless mess.
0: She, she said that obviously they're the raising money to go to Zimbabwe and I'm from there but I didn't tell her that at the time so I wanted to hear what she knew so I, I, I told her okay tell me more about this tell me more about Zimbabwe so she's telling me a lot of um, things you'd read on the news things you'd read in websites and stuff and you know some of the things she said you know they touched me personally because I found them kind of offensive um, and then
1: Would you want to share some of these?
0: She implied that, you know, a lot of people in in Zimbabwe are helpless, which is not the case. Um, The economic situation just made it harder for people to look after themselves. People could look after themselves and get support, but... From the way she was implying it to me, she said obviously Zimbabwe is just a hopeless country, um, that's that's getting no help from government. I mean there there is some truth to what she was saying, but I think the the stuff she knew was a bit exaggerated. Uh because of the you know, news and media they, they have to spice things up to make people read and follow their articles. So I ended up saying to her, I'm from Zimbabwe. And I've I've just come here. I said, I grew up there 18 years. So I challenged a lot of the things that she was saying. Obviously, she stuck to her guns saying, no, this is what I... And and I'm saying, no, I've grew up there and I've lived there. And I can show you pictures. Obviously, I wasn't going to go down that extreme route because I'm not that petty. But um, at, at the time, I was like, you know, although my country's got issues, I felt like she was mudslinging a bit. So, I think at that point, my, one of my close friends, uh, Tash, he's also from Zimbabwe. He ended up pulling me away because I kept talking to her. I w- obviously we won't get angry, but it was it was it was a debate, constructive argument. But the people I was with at the time thought, you know, I th- we we were just planning to go into the restaurant to have some food. So I ended up getting pulled away because I think I was going to be there for the next three or four hours arguing with with, with somebody who's never been to Zimbabwe Mm -hmm. and you know I'm pretty sure you know in arguing with somebody who doesn't know what it's like to be from there so their perspective is from a a very statistical and the information they've got they've got off the internet I have the same debates with the guy I work with uh, down in Billingham in a pizza shop the stuff he tells me about Zimbabwe I say yeah you've probably read that on the website haven't you
1: Home is where the heart is. It's
0: incredible.
1: Uh, I'll be keeping an eye on that